0: Hey, friends. Looking for some great business content other than right here on Accelerate? Then check out C-Suite TV and watch in-depth interviews with business content for C-Suite leaders and entrepreneurs, including an interview with me, your favorite podcast host. And it's all on demand. Watch and get insider secrets on demand by going to c tvcom That's c TV.com Business insights on demand. Okay, let's do the show. <laughs> It's time to Accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to Episode 476 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. Now, first of all, before we jump into the show, if, if you're looking for a new idea or new ideas about how to amp up your sales, then you need to get my free playbook, How to Spark a Sales Turnaround. It's based on my interviews with over 300 sales experts on this very show about what they would do and the steps they would take to boost their sales. And I've compiled the recommendations into a practical step-by-step guide that you can use to accelerate your sales today. So don't wait. Go to accelerate.fm forward slash spark to get your free copy of How to Spark a Sales Turnaround. Joining me on Accelerate today is Corey Bray, CEO of Closed Loop. Which is formerly known as Career Sophia. It's a sales enablement platform built specifically to fortify a sales and customer success manager's ability to assess their team, align training and messaging, coach deals in real time, and simulate practice scenarios. So, we're going to talk about that today. So, Corey, what what is coaching? Right, there's this confusion about what's coaching. What is management? I mean, so in the context of sales today, what what is coaching?
1: Well, when you think about there's, there's two main categories that people think of training and coaching. Training prepares you for something that may or may not happen at some undefined, undefined point in the future, whereas coaching directly impacts what's happening right now. So, how do I help you do better in the context of what you're doing right at the moment?
0: But back to the, the question, though. So, the difference between managing and coaching?
1: Manage, I mean, management's way broader than coaching. I think coaching's a component of management because managing can encompass hiring, onboarding, um, performance reviews. I think coaching is more about how do I take the tools that my players have available to them and make them better at using those tools and then using those tools under duress in more difficult situations that can you know really produce a better outcome for our company.
0: You see that certainly you read about and you hear about it at conferences that that sales managers Saying, hey, they in some cases don't have time for coaching, which I think is is just an excuse. Uh, but it tends to sort of resist. And I think we see this sort of being accelerated by the fact that you know we have a lot of new and interesting sales technologies coming to the fore that certainly create a lot of a lot of data around sales and a greater sense of transparency, but I don't get a sense that we're using those effectively to really help the salespeople become more effective.
1: Coaching's hard. And you know, you look at professional sports, for example. I mean, there's a reason that the same coaches win over and over and over again because there's really, it's it's hard to become a great coach. And once you're a great coach, you continuously produce elite teams and elite players. And I think the same is true in business. And, and what, in business,
0: what are the characteristics of an elite coach? I mean, we could look at Belichick and Bill Belichick and say, okay, well, hey, there's somebody who's been there a long time, had a lot of success. What are some of the aspects you see that really constitute elite? coaching.
1: Exactly. Well, Belichick's a good example because you were talking about him on one of your recent podcasts that I was listening to. And I think that what he does is he establishes a system that works and then finds raw talent and helps those individuals become great in the context of the system. I mean, you've got guys on the Patriots that would not have been standout players on other teams, but because they're in a system that's set them up for success and they have coaches that are available to Help them continuously improve and make the right moves. Uh, execute the plays better. Uh, they become a great team.
0: Is that a culture issue?
1: Part oh. of this culture. I mean, you can have a culture of coaching. I think you you watch you watch professional basketball, for example, and the players are constantly coaching each other. You know, come set a pick for me, or uh, you know, in football, quarterbacks calling audibles, and then. You know that goes up to the offensive coordinator, the the head coach. Everybody's involved in thinking in the context of what's happening right now. What can individual players on our team do better to have a better individual result and impact what the team's able to accomplish overall?
0: So, yeah, it's, I mean, this is really an interesting topic because it's yeah, I've been at conferences just within the last year where. VPs of sales are really poo-pooing coaching. Yet we have studies that show that the single most important thing a sales manager can do in terms of affecting total output within their team is to devote more time to coaching the people. Right. Um, and on top of which, we also see that companies don't invest enough in coaching the sales managers themselves. Exactly. I mean, Jason Jordan his book "Cracking This Code." You know, talks about hey, you can. <laughs> um, Get a nineteen percent increase uplift, in overall performance, just by coaching sales managers. Exactly. And part of that obviously is coaching them how to how to coach. So if you say, okay, this is what a coaching session looks like. Before we jump into what Career Sophia does, is somewhere along the line you had to educate yourself and inform yourselves about what good coaching looks like within the context of a session, a coaching session with a, with a salesperson. So what in your mind, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. Well, I I had an interesting introduction to sales. I did finance and operations for my first six years of my career. And I had left my last operations job to start a consulting company. One of my mentors said, you need to learn how to sell. Otherwise you're not going to be successful. And I said, well, geez, I don't know how to sell. How do I learn how to sell? He said, call this guy. And he gave me the phone number of a Sandler sales consultant. Mm -hmm. So I went and met with him he had me freaking out that i had no idea what i was doing and i was going to fail unless i signed up with his class. Of now, course. If you know Sandler, you know that he wasn't selling me. He was <laughs> he was uncovering so much pain that i felt like i had no choice but to, to go with him and so i did and i so i worked with with Sandler for uh, a year and a half in Houston with, you know, 2 hours in class, 1 hour one-on-one coaching. And i'd come mm-hmm. in every every week for the hour coaching session and say here's what i'm working on, here's what i think i should do. And it was just like my basketball coach did in high school. He said, I like that idea. This one doesn't work. You know, tweak this, don't do that. And it was really intense coaching that helped me tremendously. Um, I think it's the best money I ever spent. And then I continued that when I came out to San Francisco and worked with a Sandler coach out here, who's now my co-founder at Career Sophia.
0: And is this person named Sophia by any chance?
1: No, no, no. Sophia means wisdom in Greek. And... Uh, when we'd started the company, my my vision and scope was well beyond sales, so I kept it broad with uh, Career Sophia.
0: And is it still broader than sales?
1: Uh, right now, we're hyper focused on sales, and um, and I think there are applications down the road, but I don't want to distract ourselves. I mean, we are one hundred percent focused on sales coaching
0: at this point. So, take us through a little bit of what Career Sophia does and is going to do.
1: Exactly. So what, what I envisioned was, how do I replicate the experience I had with my Sandler coaches going into an office one hour a week that I was spending a lot of money on? A lot of people don't have uh, bosses that'll give them that type of budget. Mm-hmm. And then furthermore, three days later, I'm at my desk, it's 227, and I've got this call coming up. What do I do? And a lot of times what I find myself doing, and what, what my friends would tell me they do, is they'd, they'd look at their Salesforce opportunity and just come up with a plan on the spot, or they'd wing it. So our idea is how do we create a software product that sits inside of Salesforce that delivers a minimum effective dose of coaching that's relevant to the specific deal you're working on, its stage, amount, vertical, com- competitors, and think about that in, in the context of the individual. So we have individual assessments and so we can figure out people's you know, attitudes, beliefs, and techniques around sales. And then in the context of the company, where the company wins, where the company loses, how they compete. So it's the same thing a coach would do in person. They'd ask you a bunch of questions, process that in their coaching brain, and give, them, give you output. But you don't have to pay somebody to sit next to every single individual all day, every day, which just isn't feasible at any company, really.
0: So is this oriented more toward, um, nor, more toward personal improvement or like a battle card for capturing a deal?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really both. So there's, there is a personal coaching component that surfaces what's relevant to me as an individual, but in terms of battle card, it's look, we're competing against XYZ corp. Here's how we win. Here's where we battle. Here's where we lose. Um, they make a claim. Here's what our response is. And then incorporating social components. So allowing people across the team to add competitive Intel, um, upvote it when they find it helpful, flag it for removal. If it's not helpful, and then extend that into objection handling and qualifying questions, persona intel, all the things that a coach would consider when making a re- recommendation of here's what you should think about when working this deal or when you're on this call, but automating a lot of the delivery of that process that's based on content that is curated and developed by a combination of top sales reps, management, and even folks in marketing, product, et cetera.
0: Well, it's an interesting approach because, I mean, it's it certainly from a philosophical standpoint, there's, there's certainly some school of thought that thinks coaching should be a little more directive, and people think that coaching should be more about um, more about the sales rep determining the answer themselves. Right? That, that what you're doing is you're guiding someone, and the way people best learn and incorporate the knowledge is by sort of coming to their understanding based on being guided to an answer. Um, So where where does Career Sophia come down on that?
1: Yeah, I think our idea is to give people the tools they need to do the job. And if they choose to use different tools or if they say, look, that's not exactly what I want to do here, that's fine. But if you've got somebody who's junior, either in a sales development role or maybe in an early inside sales career, or if you've got somebody who's new to a company or new to an industry, we're helping companies put those people on rails so they can be successful day two. I, mean, I, I hear about these four-week onboarding programs. Give me a break. Get on the phone day, two. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to have a reasonable conversation with a prospect uh, the second day you're on the job. And I think that's one of the ways that we're able to help companies is to eliminate this you know, onboarding school that turns into product theory and um, you know something that's not sales.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of, lot of companies that that say, hey, you know, it's going to take us—we've factored into our plan, six months for people to come productive and, and ramp up.
1: You can't learn pain questions in six months. That's insane. So that's that's what we think. I mean, let's distill it down to what would actually work given this specific opportunity we're working on. You know, here's four pain questions to ask. If they say X, say Y. Here's how we uncover budget. Here's how we map the decision-making process. And here's ten objections you're probably going to hear with clarifying questions to go into each one of them. Um, that's day two stuff.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like what you're doing is is putting together a, a well almost like a playbook to some degree. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, it might be a little more self-contained perhaps or a little bit broader, excuse me, than some self-contained plays, but but it's it almost sounds more like training than coaching.
1: Well, so I use that example of an of an early employee, but imagine, you know, I'm a rep in Florida and I'm getting on a a call with a, I don't know, say CIO in the pharmaceutical industry. Well, my career Sophia is getting filtered down to say, okay, well, here's a new case study that we just got out of the West Coast last week. Here's how we won that specific deal. Talk about these points. And so I don't have to go into a bunch of meetings and do a deal review with a rep for 30 minutes. Um, I'm getting that served up to me right when it's relevant to me, not in an academic setting, but in a, this will help you on the specific deal right now context.
0: Yeah. So I mean, to me, this sounds like a, a knowledge base yeah, for, I mean, for sales just, best practices that are context specific. Though I mean, because I assume that what you're doing is you're setting up this this pathway that you're talking about can be very could be vertical market oriented, could be account size oriented. You could have multiple of these, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So the idea is that you do. Yes. Yeah, so the underlying principle is you've got the knowledge base that's set up, and then it's structured in a way that the relevant things can be surfaced. You know, it's like when I played I played basketball in high school. And, you know, we'd have, I don't know, 10 inbound plays. And so depending on where the ball was and what the situation was, we'd call a different play. Um, I don't want to look at all 10 of those at once. I just want to look at the one and I want to know what the three different scenarios that I need to be aware of based on what the defense does. And so it just shows me specifically what I should be worried about given my my current view. So it gives me kind of um, focus as a rep without having to have these conversations with my manager, you know, for pre-call planning or, or even post-call debrief, based on what I've heard.
0: Mm-hmm. So you can put in the manager, or somebody, as you said, could, takes responsibility for putting in you know, methodology things, scripts, email, phone, personas, if-then type questions. And is there a feedback loop in this whole thing?
1: Yeah, exactly. So there's one thing that we're building is the concept of upvoting. So it's kind of like Reddit, for example, or mm-hmm. somebody this works for me. Give it a thumbs up. And I mean, the, the idea behind that was we just heard a lot of negative feedback about things that we thought were really good. And so for example, let me surface this case study. Well, this is a good case study, right? Yeah, it's a good case study, but it's three pages long. I don't need three pages. I need three words. And so to some extent, what we're doing is taking the great work that product marketing does and distilling it down into a context that's actually helpful for a salesperson at the moment. Um, so in that case, you can say, look, I, I like the case study here, or I like these three words that we derive from the case study. And by crowdsourcing that feedback from the sales team, we start to learn what works for that individual organization while being an agnostic technology company and not getting in the details of teaching people how to sell, just giving them the tools that they need to be better at sales.
0: And the tools they need to be better at sales in the context of that particular company.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, it's, so it gives the company the technology where they can load it up with their nouns and verbs and numbers. Um, links to documents and all that kind of stuff um, that we do as part of the onboarding process, and then the product just works and helps give their salespeople what they need when they need it.
0: So, how would you compare it to something like um, QStream, for instance, you know, with what they're doing with their their mobile type solution for you know daily testing, and engagement, and uh, training, if you will, of the team, sort of in a contextual type setting.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean we originally launched a learning management system that had skills and activities and tests and the feedback we got from end users was i don't want to test i want to know how to make more money and you know i personally am a little frustrated by that because i think testing's awesome but when when looking at how do we you know have the most impact mm-hmm. in the most scalable way that's that's really how we settled on getting away from from that type of stuff i think the Another principle we have is we don't want to be a big brother. I think people don't end users don't appreciate someone looking over their shoulder and telling them what to do. So we're approaching it more in a, we're here, we're, we're on your team. I'm your coach. I'm that little coach on your shoulder that can help you be great.
0: Well, that gets back to the question, I guess, about the feedback loop is is, is yeah, our managers then able to say, okay, this tactic I can see was measurably more effective in terms of progressing to the next stage than Tactic B, yeah, yeah. I mean, is exactly. that is there a type of feedback loop based into it?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I th- another point I want to make is we're not trying to remove managers from the coaching equation. I think that every company should have you know one on one coaching weekly, and I also am a huge fan of having people engage with external sales consultants. So the idea is that a lot of those coaching conversations still happen, and then the data, the nouns and verbs and numbers in our system can be updated and reordered based on those conversations. And from an external consultant's perspective, one of the ways we're going to market, the, actually the primary way we're going to market, is through channel partners who are currently sales consultants. Hmm. So they've got a methodology that they're, they're helping companies put into place. They're coaching reps on what works and what doesn't. But I, I'm, I imagine you found this in your practice where it's difficult to bill sometimes if you're not in front of the room or physically present. So uh,
0: yeah, yeah, right. If they're a sales consultant, that certainly makes sense. Yeah,
1: exactly. So we're trying to help sales consultants scale their own practices by being able to put software product a software product into place that extends their impact to when they're not there. And um, we've got a nice little revenue sharing package put together to help make more money, you know, on a recurring revenue basis. In addition to that,
0: gosh, there'd be some people would say you shouldn't be encouraging sales consultants this way. <sighs> Well, the way I look at it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking to somebody. I was joking because I was talking to somebody uh, just a, a day ago or so, talking about the uh, influx in the number of uh, quote unquote experts and uh, their frustration in dealing with it.
1: Well, if they're awesome, they should be experts. If they're not, then they're probably not going to be around for too much longer. But I mean, the, it's like when I was working with my two Sandler coaches. The hour that I had with them was the most impactful hour on our entire sales organization each week. And they're just that good. And a lot of times people that are that good don't want to join you as an employee. I mean, That's why McKinsey and Bain and companies like that exist, because they take people that are, you know, air quotes, unhirable into certain roles and let you borrow them to have an impact. And then they leave and go do something else. Um, Some people don't like that model, but it seems to work. And a lot of people have had really successful careers through it.
0: So, how would you sort of prioritize this for a company that you're talking with in terms of, you know, they're building their sales stack? Where does this fit? Yeah, what point in time does this this make sense to bring on board?
1: I think it makes sense when you've got, you know, you've got a sales methodology in place. Everybody's kind of speaking the same language. Um, You've got an idea of your competitive landscape, the personas you sell to, messaging, but you might struggle to get all of your reps hitting quota, you might be growing, uh, adding people, and having to manage a lot of moving parts within the organization, thereby distracting from the manager's ability to coach one-on-one. So that's from the end user's perspective. From the sales consultant's perspective, and this is really where we want to make the message is, look, if you've got clients that could benefit from this based on all those things that I'm saying, you can put it into place, extend your ability to be able to be impactful within your organization, increase the ROI on your consulting services, and then also create a recurring revenue stream for yourself through a revenue share. So that's that's the conversation we're more excited about having right now um, from a sales perspective as opposed to going direct.
0: Okay, so everybody in the audience who's a sales consultant will have a chance to get Corey's contact information before the end uh,
1: of the- Hellman calls it win-win-win. He says our end users win because they have a tool that helps them you know achieve their goals, the consultants win for what I just said, and we win. so it's uh, you know kind of the winning economy, if you
0: will. Well, it's kind of interesting. you don't see many SaAS startups using a sort of the primary go to market strategy, a channel strategy
1: exactly and and it's interesting because we think you know first of all, we don't have venture capitalists on our board of directors. our board of directors is me, and so I don't have somebody telling me that I can't do something like this. Our revenue shares you know quite. Uh, generous. And furthermore, I think that it just it's a logical fit. And I'm not just going to follow the pack because this is different. I think channel doesn't work in a lot of cases. I mean, we're not going to go work with a Salesforce implementation partner that doesn't understand the subject matter. but mm-hmm. somebody really gets it and it just tucks in nicely to their business, I think there might be some opportunities there.
0: So if you're to define two ideal client profiles, one for the ultimate end user and one for what the sales consulting organization would look like, what would those be?
1: Yeah, so the ideal end user is a company that has an inside sales team of know, five to hundred reps that uses salesforce.com that sells one to two products. And they're changing. Either they're hiring people, they're you know, continuously rolling out new products, um, they're growing in some way. And then from the sales consultant's perspective, it's a seller-doer. It's somebody that has to go sell their own deals and then deliver the consulting and training. And they they struggle to do both of those and find that they can only make money when they're in front of a room or on the phone with clients and they don't have a logical way to scale their business without taking that big risk of hiring an associate consultant, which is essentially betting that person's salary that they're going to be profitable. And you know, scaling a consulting practice is a pretty risky endeavor, so we're giving them a, a lower risk, higher return way to do that.
0: And we said the talking about the engines are five to one hundred. Is is that five to one hundred SDRs or a combination AES SDRs?
1: Yeah, a combination all the way across the board. And I think there's there's a variety of use cases for our product depending on somebody's seniority and skill level. So I think that the more junior you are, the more you would engage with it in terms of what do I do. Um, senior people, we're we're building this alert functionality. So if there's new product information, new competitive intel. Or new um, objections that might have been surfaced recently; those will be they'll uh, no issue alerts, so the senior folks can just see that stuff and say, "That's all I need. I'm good. I don't need to be told how to do a pain
0: dive." Mm-hmm. So, real time updates based on what the feedback's coming in from the field. Exactly. Yeah, interesting. Um, so, you also have a training component to what you're doing.
1: Oh yeah. So that was, that was the first, the first thing that we built and we're actually uh, shutting that down as we renew the website (laughs) because yeah, it just doesn't get anybody excited. Nobody gets excited about training. And I, I really wanted this to work. I mean, I talked to so many people and they said, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Put prototypes in front of them. They said, yeah, that's awesome. I love it because you've got skills and then you've got activities. That's awesome. Then we built it. People used it once or twice in crickets and I don't know, it was just, it just didn't seem to, to work. And then I go out and there's a bunch of companies that do training. So I go talk to my friends that work at their customers because, you know, everybody puts the logos and case studies on their websites and behind closed doors, these guys all said, look, I don't need it. I don't want it. I hate it, whatever. Um, it's necessary to some extent. I just didn't feel like we could build a huge business off of that. Mm -hmm. And so we just, we just totally pivoted away from it.
0: Okay, well, I'm glad I brought it up. <laughs> I I'm clarified gonna...
1: that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, we're, we're redoing the website right now, but you know how that goes. It's uh,
0: a work in progress at all right, times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so then, what what's sort of next for you then? So what's the next frontier within coaching within sales? Because yeah, this is, this is really interesting, but it, you know, to me, this is still seems a very tactical as opposed to. Yeah, how do I really handle the person-to-person side, the personal improvement side, for that's at least as important from a coaching standpoint in order to help people progress in their careers.
1: Exactly. Well, so I look at I look at it in three big buckets that I always talk about. So people need to learn how to use the tools. Um, They need to learn how to use them well, and then they need to learn how to use them well under duress. And I think a lot of sales organizations I've seen people just struggle to use all the tools and the tools could be, you know, anywhere from discovery to demo to Mm -hmm. actually a deal signed. Um, and as we move up that difficulty ladder to using them well under duress, it just gets increasingly difficult. And so what we want to do is essentially ride shotgun next to that great individual coach who might be able to spend 30 minutes or an hour with a rep each week and augment them in a way that the rep is producing at a higher and higher level as they continue to improve.
0: So what would that look like?
1: Well, it's basically the product we have today. We're, we have no vision to be anything other than a 500 pixel high app. Um, We exist in Salesforce as well as outside of Salesforce and just continue to make the product more robust. And so adding things like alerts, creating more in-depth relationships between content. And so understanding how an objection ties to a persona in the context of a vertical, mm-hmm. and we can surface things that are just micro-specific that might have taken you to Google Drive and Jive and had to do ten minutes of reading and then maybe ask somebody for clarification in the past. We'll get it to you in two seconds.
0: Interesting. Very cool. Very so, cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I for me, I mean, if, if I were saying, okay, an ideal platform, what I what I still want to see, and here's my. Yeah, you know, my free product advice, is, is something that deals not only with what you're doing, which I think is a fantastic way to start lining up assistance to the reps in a really context-sensitive way, which is really what they need. But then more globally, there's this whole issue of behaviors and habits and things that really hold them back, that yeah. are not deal-specific, but person-specific. <clears throat> and being able to have something like that incorporated, seems like you get a, a really rich whole person approach, holistic approach to it, let's say.
1: Oh man, so now you're getting into stuff that I wasn't supposed to talk about on the internet. I was just giving you all our uh, logical next steps from a technology perspective and you're uncovering uh, the secret sauce, my friend.
0: <laughs> it's
1: what I do. That's great. Yeah, no, you're, you nailed it. Yeah, we're doing that too. I, uh, I promised my, my CTO I wouldn't get into the details on that. Because he said uh, all the other stuff I talked about, people can logically infer. But there's some really cool stuff that we can do that's more on the, the human emotional side that gets, you know, pretty deep and you know a little scary from a how fast you can make somebody awesome perspective.
0: Well, hey, <laughs> all right, you'll have to tell me offline then. Yeah, I'm anxious. Yeah, I'm anxious cool. to hear. So what we'll do is we'll we'll have you come back to talk to the audience once that's uh, once that's available.
1: Yeah, well let us let us get uh, a little further along on that and then we'll make a big announcement.
0: Okay. Well, Corey, thanks for being on the show and and talking with us about sales coaching and Career Sophia. So how can people find out more about you and connect with you?
1: We're at Careersophia.com and I write articles on LinkedIn because I like writing about sales and it's therapeutic for me. So if you want to read my articles, cool. It's not a sales pitch, it's it's actually
0: trying to be helpful. That's career Sophia, S-O-F-I-A, the Greek for wisdom or knowledge, was it? Wisdom. Wisdom. Yes. Lots of people can have knowledge. Few people have wisdom, which is a, yeah. a great distinction. Well, good. Well, Corey, thank you very much. I really appreciate you being on the show. And uh, friends, thank you as always for spending this time with us and make sure you come back and listen to our episode again tomorrow or the next day. And in the meantime, Please take a second, go to iTunes, leave a review for Accelerate. Tell us what we can do to make it even more valuable for you. Subscribe, we'd appreciate that as well. So, this is your host, Andy Paul. Until next time, good selling everyone.